According to Harvard Business Review, if you want to understand why some companies have a toxic culture, underperform relative to, to their potential, and eventually collapse, look no further than the quality of their leadership teams. Welcome to the Level Up Leader Podcast. I am your host, Michael King. I'm an executive coach and founder of Teams.Coach. I work with C-level leaders to clarify and expand the vision, elevate performance, and level up their leadership. On today's podcast, I am joined by the one, the only, John Michael Morgan. John Michael is a best-selling author and celebrated coach. I've been working with John Michael for a better part of the year, and John Michael is sincere. He's honest. He's brilliant. So please welcome John Michael to the podcast. One, the only John Michael Morgan. Welcome to the Level Up Leader podcast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. I love the fact like it's kind of like one of those weird, um, you know, bucket list type things to where it's like I've gotten to know you a little, you know, pretty, pretty decent over the last year. But I show up at a I show up at a at a kind of like a retreat, a leader leadership thing. And you're there, you're speaking, you're sharing your story um, and talking about just leadership in general. And I'm like, I got to get to know this guy. This guy feels like he's just part of a tribe that I don't belong to yet, but I need to get in. Um, and that's kind of where this whole thing started, right? Yeah, it did. But that's, uh, I'm humbled by that, you know, because I'm just me in my mind. But I, I appreciate it. that was fun. It was great meeting you, but then getting to know you has been great. So the love goes both ways, Michael. Well, there's something that I mean for me. I'm I'm in this I'm in this season to where I'm taking more and more seriously every single day that the the people that you have surrounding you and the and the voices that you have in your life really define the impact that your life can have, and um, and I can't really be a good leader unless I'm unless I'm taking seriously how I'm leading myself and allowing the voices in my life to impact uh, how I live. So. Yeah. Anyway, I'm really thankful. Thanks for your investment in 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 my company and in, in me as a person. I know that uh, the world is a better place because of John Michael Morgan. So, oh my goodness, All right, we should just end it right there. That's perfect. That's great for me. <laughs> We're just I gonna just need that clip. Cut. I know this. That's is gonna be podcast, the. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's gonna be the. Uh, well, it's gonna be the cinema trailer right before everything else starts. <laughs> right. Yes. In the uh, the in the baritone moment. voiceover of like the world is a better place because of John Michael Morgan. It's what That's gets great. everybody to listen. They're like leaning in, going, "Okay, what is it? What's yeah. the secret sauce?" So anyway, so you are, I mean, going all the way back. I mean, you're coaching high level organizations, high level leaders, major brands. You, you know best-selling author, et cetera. Tell, tell me a little bit and tell our listeners a little bit about what makes you tick. What are you all about? Goodness. That's a great question. I, you know, I think one thing I've learned in my career is that I'm fascinated by the similarities between people. And what I mean is that the, the person who's the brand new leader that feels like they don't know what they're doing and, and, and they're uncomfortable and they're trying to create culture and lead well they have some of the same issues that the person, you know, who's CEO of, uh, you know, one of the top 10 brands in the world, you know, struggles with. 
I find that fascinating because sometimes we assume that there's these big differences between people and that there are some, but mm -hmm. it's the commonalities that have always interested me. So my whole thing has been, how do I help people get and keep momentum? And that's in whatever area that they're trying to get momentum in. And that usually entails dealing with their mindset, dealing with their habits, sometimes leadership, sometimes their branding. You know, it can be a combination of things, but it all comes down to this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to have momentum in what we're trying to build and how we're trying to lead and the message we're trying to share, you know, with people. And I just feel like um, if I can play a small role in that of helping someone get out of their own way long enough, because that's the real thing is that most of the problems yeah. that people have that are actually holding them back, they're self-generated. It's not, you know, it's not a lack of resources. It's not time. It's not, you know, these other circumstances, like those all play a role for sure. But it's usually whatever's going on in here that's determining whether or not someone's hitting their goals. Oh, absolutely. I can't, I can't even tell you how many times in the last couple of decades, or actually take that back like four decades, how many times I've actually self-destructed and, you know, and gotten my own path um, along the way. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk to leaders every single day. Um, is What do you feel like is the number one thing that derails leaders? <laughs> okay. This is, my answer may shock people. Okay. But this is something that I've seen so much recently. And I love this question because it's been coming up in conversations every single day. The number one thing is boredom, right? I, I think there's a problem where mm. people are so afraid of being bored, but what they don't realize is that a lot of success is boring. Now the results are fun, right? The results are exciting, but what creates success is often boredom. It's doing the same thing every single day over and over and over again. And people think, oh, it's got to be more complicated than that. You know, or they've done it for eight months and it's worked, but now they're bored. It's mundane. And they're like, oh, I should change it up. You know, the, the hardest thing is like to you start to get that momentum. Just keep it. You've got to be OK with like being bored to some degree. And no one wants to talk about that. No one wants to hear it. But I see so many people who are like, oh, let's shake things up. And then it's a disaster. And I'm like, why, why are you shaking things up? Things were fine. Like, let's keep growing. Let's keep doing what works. Let's keep improving. But that's the thing that I see. And I'm talking everybody. I'm talking the, 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 the person who feels like they're not even a leader, but they are because I think everyone's a leader at home and amongst friends and, you know, these things. But even then the leader that's like, oh, I got, you know, 5,000 employees I'm, you know, leading or whatever. Every single person, it's like we somehow abandon what works because it becomes so routine. We think it's lost its effectiveness when in reality, we're just bored. Well, it, it goes against the things that we're programmed for. You know, one of the things that, that, I, that I tell our leaders all the time is that more or the concept of more it's what we've been ingrained to to actually fundamentally believe that unless you actually get more, you're not growing. Unless you get more, you're not succeeding. Unless you have more, you're not a you're not a success. Um, but more is actually the enemy of progress. And so there's a huge difference. You know, it's the thing of like, as you know, it's like you know, I, I was a pastor for a couple of decades, and I, and I truly believe that, you know, like even looking back over the life of David that pinnacle moment when he's sitting up on top of his house, looking over at something that's not his, this, this thing here, it changes the trajectory of time. Like that yeah. single moment 
right there, that moment, if David could have said, you know what, I think me being bored is okay. I think me being okay with not having something that's not mine or me not wanting more um, is okay. Because yeah. progress looks different, doesn't it? it? It does. It does. And I hear every single day, I hear people say, I need to get back to doing X, Y, and Z. Oh, I need to get back to my morning routine. I need to get back to journaling or meditating. I need to get back to, you know, uh, doing, uh, you know, one-on-one conversations with my team and just like connecting with them on a human, you know, personal level. And these things, I'm like, you know, the, the phrase, let me get back to these things. It's like, well, why did you ever get away from them? Yeah, but it's exactly yeah, what you said. A- it's that pursuit of, oh, I need more. I need to do more, be more, get more, you, you know, all of that. And it's like, you know, what's the way, sometimes getting more doesn't mean adding more to our life. You know, sometimes we can actually achieve more by doing less. And, you know, sometimes even achieve more by letting the process run. You know, but no, no 100%. one. 100%. Well, if somebody would have came to me, because I think sometimes we start to chase things down because our motivations are built out of insecurity instead of security. Um, like if somebody would have came to me and said, hey, Mike, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago and said, you don't really have anybody to impress. You're great at what you do. Just keep knocking it out of the park. Be innovative in the spaces that you're that you're supposed to be in, but you don't have to keep doing more. Well, I probably, you know, it's like I went through a season of burnout and self-discovery um, because all these noises around me were trying to tell me that I wasn't good enough. Um, right. You know, so what do you, what do you, what do you say about that? Yeah, man, I, I think this, that thought of not being good enough, you know, it ultimately comes down to, we have to dig deeper, which is, you know, good enough for what? Not good enough for whom, right? Like there are very few people who think they're really like amazingly qualified for the role they have, right? This is why I'm fascinated because regardless of political parties, the ego one has to have to say, out of everyone in this country, you know who'd be best at running it? Me. Like that's a different level of ego <laughs> that someone has to just be like, right. I think I can do a better job than the rest of you. Most of us in business, most of us in leadership roles, we don't feel that way. Instead, we're waking up going, when do they find out I don't know what I'm doing? When do they find out you, you know, that I'm <laughs> making it all up as I go? But that's the, that's the thing is like we actually have all that in common and, and leaders are afraid to show that. Leaders are afraid to show that. I, I worked with a leader who made a ton of money and his biggest fear was that people would realize he didn't always have the answers and i'm like but your team would love to know that they'd love to help you that would actually be a relief to them to know that you're human and (laughs) so we have to go back like what are we even measuring against and you know sometimes in society we think we have these things that we have to achieve because society told us to or in leadership, it's like, oh, these are the the benchmarks we're supposed to hit or in business or whatever it may be. And it's like, you know, what are we really like when we get in that comparison game? What are we really measuring? The thing that I've learned is that if you're going to compare yourself to someone else, if you're going to compare yourself to uh, what you, you know, the expectations even of others or whatever, or even the expectation you have of yourself, you have to play fair. Otherwise, it doesn't count. 
So what I mean by that mm. is if you're sitting there saying, yeah. I'm not good enough because of all these things, and here's my list of poor qualities, you have to also make a list of the good qualities. Because no one's 100% yep. good and no one's 100% bad. The answer is always in between. That's reality. But see, that's the problem is like we, we look at someone else and they're like perfect in our mind. We look at ourselves and we're not even good at all. We just rip ourselves to shreds. Like we bully ourselves. And it's like, wait a minute. That's fine. If you're going to do the negative self-talk, do it. But you have to do the positive as well. Otherwise, it's not accurate. Mm -hmm. And what happens then is when they start listing out the good, they calm down and they can kind of remove themselves from this negative story that they start playing out. I think that you're nailing it on the head. Um, And just like in any... And I think anybody that's listening to this, and I'm pretty sure that if you were to take this and, and put this kind of this summary over any type of relationship, we have relationships with people and we base the success on the relationship with that person as far as like how fruitful it is. And between, here's the thing is that I'm when I go home tonight and hang out with my family, I'm not going to be in the mood to, you know, thinking about whether or not um, the relationship is successful or whether I'm a good leader, if I'm walking into my home and all they're doing is pointing out what a failure I am, all the different things that I've dropped the ball on or whatever, I didn't take the dog to the groomers or or whatever it is, but it's it's overwhelming when you start that process of like, hey, let me remind you like how, how much you suck. Like your brain immediately shuts off. It, yeah. But we, we do that to ourselves as well. It's like every coaching relationship that I have, but also every... F- every friendship that I have, uh, like my drummer who travels with me, we went to this event, um, last night and he, he, I've seen him grow so much. Like he's a good friend, but I've also seen him grow just through the positivity of having a, having a good tribe to belong to. Like, like my Mm -hmm. guys in the group, they're like consistently calling him out. Like, man, you're doing, man, when you go into that pocket, when you get locked into that groove and that, in that tempo, like, him being told the things that he's great at instead of being consistently told all the ways that he's constantly dropping the ball. Cause he actually mm. does kind of suck as a person, by the way. Like he's actually a pretty horrible. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Andrew, if he's listening, he's like, uh, I knew this is coming. Great drummer, but everything else. <clears throat> but, um, but no, you think about that, right. Is like, you have to be able to lead with the power of, of recognizing your victories as much as your challenges. So you're you're touching on something that's so important to me because uh, no one really wants to talk about this aspect of leadership and, you know, growth and positivity and even just, you know, good self-talk and how we view ourselves. So the thing is, like, first of all, we can't outperform our opinion of ourselves. Like whatever we think of ourselves, that's the ceiling. So we have to change that. But the other aspect of this that becomes really interesting in a leadership role, and I want somehow to change this. Like if I could change the world, I think this would be it, which, you know, probably I should pick something else. But this would be the thing I would do to change the world, which is um, imagine if a leader, like if their love language is words of affirmation. The problem is most leaders don't get that. You know, I think about this, like I think about LeBron James what if words of affirmation is his love language? Because no one probably comes up to him and says, hey, man, just so you know, like, you're really great at basketball. They probably stopped that when he was in, like, third grade. 
But, but what if he's sitting there in the locker room and he's like, it'd be really nice if somebody would tell me that I'm good. Instead, all he gets is he's good, but he's not as good as Michael Jordan. And, and it's like, you know, what do we do? Right. Like, I mean, I grew up in the Jordan era. I understand the opinions on it. But my thing is like, what if he needs that? And I think about that, like we assume that a leader is confident. We assume that they know we appreciate them. We assume, you know, all these things. And it's like, no, they're sitting there in isolation wondering, am I doing okay? Am I messing this up? And I don't know what happened in the world where we got so like weird and afraid to like compliment people and, you know, lift them up. But to me, like if I could wave a magic wand and change culture in any organization or team, that would be it. It, it is like, you know, to be like, Hey, can we just actually encourage each other and especially the leadership, it, it, you know, because mm-hmm. they may need it more than anybody. And there, again, there's something about that role that makes it where we just, you know, we're like, Oh, we assume they know that they, they get it. We know. Like I had a client one time, Michael, who told me they go, uh, we were talking like, well, you know how much you mean to me. And I'm like, time out. No, I don't. Tell me. Because, you know, words of affirmation are my love language. And so I haven't like, no, gotten I, a Christmas card from you in five years. <laughs> right, you know, it's it's that thing, because when we're left alone, our mind and that story you know, can spin negative. And it's, oh, my gosh, how does my team really feel about me? How does my family feel about me or my friends or, you know, my coworkers or whatever, right? Like, we, we play these weird games with, with ourselves. And so I just wish we could somehow change that to, you know, let people know, like, hey, you're doing a good job and not be afraid to to tell them that even time and time again. You know, we you mentioned something earlier about, like, you know, if I could change the culture within an organization... I think we should do that. You know, we should tag team up and just like create, you know, the Justice League of co- of coaches and consultant. I'm I'm just messing with you. And our um, superpower can just be compliments. So we just walk in and we just yes. tell everybody, like, that jacket's amazing, and I love that hat, and you're doing great, and way to sit at that computer or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Well, in, in all seriousness, though, that we're, we're talking about something that's operational and also philosophical at the same time. Um, it, you yeah. know, so for example, like one of the one of the things of like, OK, so one of my tricks and it's actually true is um, and I'll, I'll show you how this is true. But when I'm working with a team, one of the first things that I do is I is I actually start working with senior leadership and then also key leaders within the team to get them programmed to recognize that them being able to quickly, quickly, not, not delayed, but in real time, being able to quickly identify and celebrating wins along the way, create synergy. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason is this is here's where the functionality comes in on it is if I can get a leader to identify the things that they do better than everybody else, and then quickly adjust their bandwidth and their resources to only support the things that they do better than everybody else, not saying we're going to ignore the things that they fail at, but by taking some of that energy that they, because typically what ends up happening is that we put 80% of our energy towards the things that we fail at and only 20% of the things that come easy to us, the things that we win. Well, think about it. It's like, let's let's start off tomorrow and recognize like, hey, this is what you do better than everybody else. And I want you to just live in that for a while, you know? 
Mm. Yeah, that's it's so, it's so powerful because you know science has showed us the way the mind and brain work is that whatever we put our attention on, it assumes is important. So it just tries to find more of that. So if you're only focused on this is what we're weak at, this is my weakness, this is where I'm failing, your mind isn't saying, oh, no, that's bad. It's saying he's thinking about this a lot or she really you know, dwells on this. Uh, let me go find more of it. Let me go find more evidence of it. And so when you talk about celebrating wins, it's like that's so important because it's that classic thing. We have, uh, we have a failure and we sit on it for weeks. We have a win and everybody's like, oh yeah, that's great. And then we go right back to work. It's like, we celebrated the victory for three seconds and we celebrated the failure, you know, it, it, I say celebrate cause like it's the attention you know, for three weeks. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's and like, yeah, I love that you make it operational. See, that's where you're good. You actually tell them what to do. I don't, you know, I, <laughs> I wish I was, I hope I'm good at it. Um, I love what I do, but here's the thing is that, um, but it, it's, it comes down to our motivations and our why, right? You know, the, um, so the spaces that I'm in, I, I get faced with this reality that 70, you know, like this, these are real facts. 71% of all, everybody who's occupied C-level leadership spots uh, in the last two years have considered quitting or vacating their roles. Um, mm. You know, and it could be because of burnout, but if you think about the mentality of somebody who wants to leave their spot, it's because they're showing up every single day thinking that they failed. And that's why you want to quit. It's just like, man, I suck. I don't want to do this. But if I can help somebody see it even just fundamentally in their life, just like kind of like how you've you've helped us be more innovative, you've helped me be more innovative and to um, and to lead from a place of security and understanding what I am capable of versus just looking at my failures, I want that for other organizations that I serve as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, my heart breaks for that statistic that you just shared, you, you know, for the people that feel stuck, like, Oh, I don't, I'm not enjoying it. I don't think I'm good at it. You, you know, in reality, they probably are fine or a few tweaks and they could be brilliant at it. And they're, they, they're on an Island. You know, they don't know what to do, which is probably you know why they're considering, oh, I'll leave and, you know, the grass will be greener over here or, or whatever. And it's, you know, that that mindset shows up in everything. You know, that, that I think the big reason a lot of people settle in their life and in business and in their career is often because they didn't know that they were actually doing good at the thing they were trying to do. So they settled for less. Ooh, that's good. Right. Let me take a lower role. Let me, you know, do this stuff, whatever. It's like, you know, in reality, you know, maybe they were doing fine. Maybe they were on the path. You know, things take time. You know, and for some reason in the business world, we've lost all sense of patience. And then companies wonder why there's so much turnover. Oh, that's good. <laughs> like, you know, every company I know, they, they'll ask me, they'll be like, how do we hire talent? And I'm like, you take your time. You know, you, you take your time, you know, because you can either go out there and try to find talent that exists, that's available. But if they're talented, are they ever available? You know, so the way you find talent is you create it. Oh, that's good. Right. <laughs> Bring in people, Develop train it. them, build them up, turn them into talent. So. That's, that's absolutely, um, that's 100% true. And, but you do find that is that 
people end up making very, very fast, big mistakes because they're impatient and they, um, you know, I'm thinking about right now, you know, here in Nebraska, um, we ended up firing our football coach after the first three football games of of the season for for University of Nebraska. Not not that the you know that that's a different thing, like a, for a different show, a different podcast. But it's just amazing how fast we make decisions when we're not getting the results that we want, and we end up making the wrong hires quickly. Yeah, um, because we I, feel I, like I, yeah, I, I think about that same thing. Um, I don't know anything about Nebraska other than that you're there. But, you know, like I, I think about it, like I saw uh, like week two of the NFL season, NFL.com had an article and it was like, these are the coaches on the hot seat. You know what I mean? Two weeks in, <laughs> like, you know, right. th- these people were fine <laughs> right. two weeks ago. And now, you know, they're on the hot seat, like, holy crap. And how do we expect to ever attract good coaches in that sense, Right. Because here's the thing, like, I mean, maybe you love the sport, you love the game, you love your players and all that, but coaching is leadership. And why go into a scenario where one mistake costs you your leadership role versus going and just doing your own thing and building it up? And, do, you know, it's like we we reward the wrong things so much. This whole, like, what have you done for me lately mentality that happens in life and in business is harming so many organizations and they just don't even understand why. And what's also hilarious about this, by the way, is like, I know of a company, uh, publicly traded company, so I won't mention their name. They have a CEO that not everybody likes. I get it. And everyone's like, well, why haven't they let him go? And it's like, well, who else do they get? Until they know who that replacement is, they can't rush into a decision because right. then they're just going to fill the next, fill the spot with a warm body. You know, and then and then exactly everything else you and I are talking about is what's going to happen. Then the new person gets in, and they go, "Holy smokes, I'm not ready for this. Am I good enough? Am I qualified enough? Can I do this?" And they're full of all kinds of doubt. And now they're under the microscope because everyone's like, "You have to be better than the other person because we just fired them. So now we expect you to perform miracles." And it's one hundred percent, right? So whoever they get as the new coach of your football team, everyone's gonna be like, "What well, you need to win right now." And it's like, what if what if the player drops the ball? The coach didn't tell them to do that, right? So now there's a fumble; it costs them the game. This poor sucker's job is, you know, now on the line. It's it's messed up. I felt so bad. Like I, this is like a true, true story. So I felt so bad for after they lost like their first three games that I posted it on social media and I offered free executive coaching for everybody that was, (laughs) that was a coach on the football team for the first 90 days. I'm like, yeah, I know you're paying your staff millions of dollars a year to be, you know, to be football coaches. I, so this, but this is not about money. I will actually do it for free because I care about my state because when our football team loses, the whole emotional psychology of our state goes into the tank. Like, like yeah, yeah, it's like mass we, depression we, in the state of Nebraska. Yeah. That, that that's another topic we've got to cover sometimes. <laughs> How to fix that? Gladly, you know, not not place your identity in uh, the success of a sports team, but people do, man. It's you know that that's it. it, it it's all fascinating. I I'm not sitting here saying that like, hey, 
leadership doesn't have its perks because obviously people in these roles sometimes get paid a ton of money and you know it, they knew what they were getting into right that's the other thing people are like well they knew what they signed up for it's like yeah to a to a degree but that doesn't mean that it's the right thing you, you know what i'm saying like you know there were people in roman days that were you know gladiators in the arena I'm like yeah they knew what they signed up for but that doesn't mean that it was fair you know that while they're fighting you know lions got released behind them you know so now they've got you know a lion behind them and the dude with the sword in front of them like you know what i mean like it's like where do we draw the line on stuff to sort of make some of these changes and i think that when we don't protect leaders and we don't create pathways for new leaders to come in we're going to have a real problem in the future because the good leaders aren't going to want to do it and not again to get political but this has been the problem forever i'm 42 years old so i'll just trash everybody my entire life this has been the problem politically is that everyone smart enough to run the country is smart enough to not run to do it you know, because we've created this system where it's like eh, now what <laughs> you know and, and that's the thing and so we have to stop and look at that and we're seeing it in the church world right we're seeing it in the church world who would want to be the pastor of a mega church right now you know because it's a ticking clock until you know you get trashed for something you know what i mean like i'm not envious of the people in those roles it's the same thing as you a ceo or c-suite like yeah the money can be good but you know everything else that comes with it if we don't make a change we're going to lose our great leaders. And so we've got to create pathways where these really smart, talented people not only get the chance to be a leader, but we help them and we nurture them. You know, so someone's yeah, like, now someone's in a C-suite role and she makes a mistake. We need to be like, hey, here's why that's okay. Here's what we're going to learn from it. Because we see the bigger picture that we're trying to get you to be CEO. You know, and those type of things. Well, and it comes down to, you know, as, as, as a leader, just in general, is it possible for me to be able to see greatness and potential in other people? And that's the thing that, that, that when it comes to developing something into the internal culture and the underbelly of an organization, because we actually need organizations. We actually need our churches. We actually need bigger companies to, you know, support, you know, innovation and progress within our, within our communities. But you're right. The thing is, is that like the last five Gen Zers that I've talked to, they would rather go off and just build something that's software based that they can run out of their garages or out of their homes instead of actually working in a big accountable system of an organization or a company because they don't want to be shot at. Right. Right. And, you know, what happens in the future with that? You know, when we're not, yeah, when we're not, like you said, identifying who these potential leaders are and then nurturing them and training them. And, you know, also like, you know, I, I think again, because we have this, like, what have you done for me lately kind of mentality, anyone that doesn't quote unquote, have a perfect record ends up losing the opportunity. And what's crazy about that to me, Michael, is like, when we look at the people who built the biggest companies in the world, none of them had the perfect record. You, you know, they failed all the time. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, and it's like, gosh, you know, what, what's, what's our future? <laughs> if we stop giving people 
room to make a mistake and room to grow. Uh, you know, I don't know. This is good. So I'm going to, I'm going to pause us here. I think we need to, to schedule a round two with John Michael Morgan. Cause this is like, we can do this all day. I feel like, I feel like uh, captain America. We can do this all day. <laughs> I'm just this is good, though. Pick a Marvel superhero, yeah. and not a DC superhero. No, I'm, don't I'm, do it. Don't do it. I knew it. I knew it. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, but we've talked about a couple of things. I love, I love this though. Some of the keywords that popped up here, we talked about motivations. We talked about mindsets. We've talked about behaviors and we've talked about voices or influences. Um, So good, man. Uh, Really appreciate that. Um, If people want to get a hold of you, how do they do it? Yeah, they can go to my website, which is johnmichaelmorgan.com. They can, you know, email me from there. They can see all my different social channels and, you know, connect to me there and, you know, say hi anytime. I love it. Now, as people are listening to this, you know, we want we want to encourage people to head over to the uh, Level Up Leader podcast group. You're actually in it. Uh, as well. And so people will be asking some questions in real time and things like that. So I want to encourage people to get into the Level Up Leader podcast group. Join John Michael Morgan and be one of the cool kids. It's just I would love that because I would love to talk to people. So if they've got questions, <clears throat> need help with something, you know, jump in that group and we can talk. Awesome. Hey man, thank you so much uh for all you do. Uh and thank you for just being a cool dude, man. Such a such a privilege to interview. Thank you, man. It was my pleasure. I would come back anytime. So thank you for joining us today on the Level Up Leader podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps get the word out. And make sure to like, subscribe, and to follow so you get all of our content. Now, John Michael spends a lot of time talking about how we need to rewrite our identity to achieve success. I know that was a really big deal for me. It is so easy to believe the lies of your past or to be held hostage by the voices around us. There is a good leader in all of us. Sometimes we need to rewrite our identity to find our true path. A special thank you to our featured artists, Names Without Numbers, for allowing us to use their music. We decided we wanted to feature only music that I've actually produced in the studio. So thank you so much, guys. I love that we get to do this together. To find out more about everything that we're up to, check us out at www.teams.coach. And don't forget to like our Facebook group, teams.coach slash leveluploaders.